Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Welcome again to another round of that fabulous thing called the ACCC Digital Platforms Inquiry Report. And today we've got another lineup of industry people that are going to shed some more light on uh, where this whole thing might be headed. With us today, Christian Kroon from OMG, Omnicom Media Group, Raf Hode from Cadrian, Gay Leroy from the IAB, and Josanne Ryan from the Audited Media Association of Australia. Josanne, you have produced a really interesting study that shows there is a really big problem with awareness around the ACCC's digital platforms inquiry. People think that regulation is going to have a big role, but they haven't even heard of it, or a lot of them have heard of it. Run us through what your survey has uncovered. Sure. So we do an annual trust survey of the industry, and we asked about the preliminary report, which was which downloaded in December last year, and basically, you know, 43% told us they'd never heard of it, and that was a sample of 500 across the industry. It's a pretty big bunch of people that hadn't even heard of that. That includes, um, and that's across agencies, media and marketers, is that right? Yes, yes, but there was a big portion of that sample that was marketers and agencies. So out of that um, 523 who answered this question, 400 of them were marketed as an agency. Um, And, you know, agencies were um, a little less informed than marketers. So more marketers had read some or all of the report. But, you know, only about a third of the industry appeared to have read articles or some of the report. So what does that say, Josanne, to you about uh, what's going on in industry? What it says is nobody, they hadn't downloaded that it actually impacted them. I think there was a sense that it really only would affect the digital platforms, Google and Facebook, and potentially the other media proprietors, but that it wasn't a whole of industry piece. But it actually is. When you read the report, they've delved into a lot of areas. Yes, data is a big part of it and privacy. Um, But they've also looked at, you know, ad tech and or or made recommendations around ad tech and media agencies. So they've delved into the whole spectrum, which is really interesting. And I think it's an opportunity for the industry. This is around the preliminary report, of course, we've had the final report since. Do you think something's changed? I think absolutely. I think since the final reports come down, everybody is across it and diving into it and determining how it impacts the business and also what they want to do about it, how they want to lobby. There's going to be a three-month consultation period. So, you know, the next three months are pretty important. They're leaning in now. Christian Kroon, you've read 613 pages of it, one of the few people on the planet I reckon that has. Um, This awareness issue that Josanne talks about, it was the preliminary report. Do you think that there is a a greater knowledge now of what's going on or it's just that it's happened but not the detail? What's your sense on, on, on the market? We've talked about this before. It feels very remote. It was an 18-month piece of work. We've been keeping our clients and our agency teams up to date for the last year and a half. I think we're probably on our seventh briefing to everyone within the agency and therefore our clients. Can't speak for anyone else in that respect. It goes back to, I guess, that short-term nature. We saw it with GDPR in Europe as well, where no one really did anything about it until they got right to the pointy end and then had to really motor quite quickly. We've worked hard to avoid that as a, as a team within our business. And I think it's incumbent on an agency to do that for a client. They employ us to summarise this information and give them those briefings. To hear such low percentages was surprising. I read that article and we all just went, wow, which has led to 
our chief digital officer for hearts and science writing an article that's on mi3 today which is a shameless plug you can have that Christian. And it was a good piece and it, it did it did reference that whole point that the industry needs to step up and take this a bit seriously. Yes, we're still waiting on the recommendations for government, but there is likely to be some significant change and, and we've got Gay here and we'll, we'll get to her in a second. Raf, in terms of your team on the floor at Cadrian, how would you say the awareness and understanding of what's gone on, both preliminary report and now? So I think being right smack bang in the middle of digital data and the digital platforms themselves being in Cadrian, you know, the, the programmatic arm of of IPG, um, the general awareness has been a little bit higher. So I was somewhat surprised by, by the report and, and to see that particularly across agency groups, um, particularly given the importance of it to agencies. Um, a couple of factors I think are at play. Firstly, uh, perhaps a bit of a misconception that the focus of the report was exclusively on the digital platforms and had very little to do with agencies. And um, to that extent, I think we're somewhat guilty as an industry, particularly agency side, to um, to let things go unless they're really banging on our door. Um, and perhaps that was one that um, we thought we could we could let through for the time being. I think in the last you know four weeks since it's been public to, well since it's been with the government two weeks since it's been public, um, we've seen that completely flip. Uh, huge amounts of conversation, huge amounts of recognition of the importance and and the significance of this. And I think um, the significance to agencies is only one part of it, and it's a huge part of it. And I'm sure we'll talk about that today. But um, the significance to to consumers and to, to the media itself and to you know very far reaching implications across all of society is is massive and it's actually really encouraging and welcome that those conversations are starting in our agency across the whole group and and in the industry as well. Okay, uh, that sounds heartening from your side that we've got a little bit of knowledge going on um, and awareness. Uh, what's your sense on the on, on, on the industry understanding and I guess the important thing here is the acceptance that there are potentially some big things coming at the industry, the big change coming at the industry, or is there? There's changes coming. From my point of view, the scope of the inquiry is so broad that it's often been confusing for people on what it is. I think definitely at the very senior level, I would doubt even from preliminary point point of view, everyone I spoke to was across it. It was just, is it that thing to do with the digital platforms? Is it privacy? Is it ad tech? And we now find out with the final report, it's it's all of that. So that has been very real for local and overseas companies. And then you've also got the same time, a lot of tech changes with browsers. So you've got sort of three things going on at once. So for the agencies and publishers to clearly get a picture of the Australian report, they're across it, but it's in context of a much broader global piece going on. For my view, it's very much around the privacy side of things because I think that affects a whole lot of has a whole lot of knock-on effects to what the industry can and can't do. If we see the Privacy Act change to adjust what defines personal information to include device IDs, IP addresses, and so forth, if that suddenly starts to change things, if default off in terms of consent goes, then there's a whole lot of things that, in my view, start to change how the industry operates and, and trades advertising. On that front, though, Raf, you're deep in the programmatic space and that's what you do. Do you see that being as significant as me? Yes, but but the first thing I'll say on that is is this report, Digital Platforms Inquiry, is, is the clearest and the most comprehensive articulation of these issues that we've seen definitely in this market. But these are not new issues, and these are issues that we've we've seen overseas, and we've seen um, in Australia as well. And so, um, this is not something that's that's new to us. To your point around targeting and different classifications of data and what we can and can't use in terms of tracking and, and cookies, etc. Those are conversations that have been happening for quite some time, and we're already starting to see huge shifts there as far as um, what are our go-to tactics as far as targeting and and data management and data collection and and how can we advise and 
and help our clients with that. Um, and I think we're making great strides there as far as uh, working with our clients to move towards you know, ethical data practices um, and, and rethinking what is the role of data. I think there is um, somewhat of an element of, of marketers for the last you know, five or so years becoming obsessed with adding data to all of their media buying, sometimes without much care for, for its effectiveness. And so the question starts to come now, well, what is the role of data? How can we source ethical first-party data? How does that play out in a world of GDPR and all the upcoming legislation that will come off the back of this report in the coming years? That's the really fascinating part. I think that's the transformation we'll see in the coming years. Um, but in the short term, yes, yeah, very much around tactical. Christian, Raf talked an interesting term, the ethical data collection, and indeed Isabel Dunn from Hearts and Science wrote that piece for us uh, in MI3, which started a reference about the need for ethical approach to a more ethical approach to data. If you look at some of the stuff that the UK data watchdogs talked about, the Information Commissioner's Office talked about uh, real-time bidding evolving into a world of perverse incentives in which being intrusive is rewarded by higher ad prices. There's a whole bunch of things here around the ethical collection of data and use of it. How does that sit with you in this market with what's coming from the ACCC? I think the ACCC is very useful in this because it brings a lot of transparency. Some of it's simply a misunderstanding about what is available. And if people do understand it, they'll be comfortable with it. Some of um, the things we have been able to do without a regulatory framework probably will not continue because it wouldn't pass the pub test. And I think Australia is different to Europe, is different to America. The, the other element here, and the ACCC does reference it in their report, is how is uh, nearly all this digital advertising will go through a small number of platforms, gateways, if you like. So Amazon is starting to build here, but really Google and, and Facebook. Uh, and a couple of others, like Verizon, what's their interpretation of the law? Should there be one? In Europe, GDPR was going along relatively smoothly, and then the interpretation that was put on it by some of the platforms led to serious fallouts and some very big concerns about what was first-party data, what wasn't. So for me, there's a number of stages. One is, what what is any future law? And then what is the interpretation of the key players? Because that can be significantly different to what we expect. And we saw that play out in GDPR, IAB, Google. So I think for me, it's there's, there's what do we all believe we should be doing with the data? That's our opinion, right? And we can inform clients on that and clients build their own data proposition and that will lead them to go back to their MarTech and ad tech and decide what's the best combination and how do they move forward. But let's also not forget, we've got a very small number of large technology companies who will also have their own global interpretation which will probably be a stitch together of GDPR, the new California data law, whatever law we have and whatever law someone else puts into play, they're going to look for a single position across their platforms globally. So I'd imagine you'll end up with not Frankenstein's monster, but a hybrid that takes the highest level from each area and puts them together. And Gay, do you think that what, what happens in Australia, will it be a higher standard than what we've seen uh, overseas, do you think, or will it be something different? And that point around ethics, so are we getting to more of a position now of whether we should rather than we just can? Okay, just adding on to sort of Christian's point about the different types of regulation around the world, it's further complicated by different geography's interpretation. So within GDPR and the stuff that we've seen coming out of the UK, that's a UK interpretation, government interpretation of the law. So, you know, and this and this impacts not just, we do focus on the media and advertising side of things, but it affects marketers just as much. So trying to get an answer that suits all is going to be incredibly tricky. I'm, I'm really fascinated by this ethics area. Uh, but it's also, I think what we're forgetting 
in the mix because the heart of this is trying to make stuff better for consumers. And I do worry the impact of some of this actually makes could make it worse. So relevant content and advertising is incredibly important. Doing that in an ethical but a convenient and non-onerous way, whether that be consuming news content or dealing with a you know an advertiser, um, I don't think we're there yet. But in the report, there's a very interesting balance between wanting to have terms and conditions in clear language, very clear, unbundled consent, but at the same time, making that very easy to read. So the copywriter who can come up with very clear consumer consent language that is legally um, protective. Will be uh, in a good business. Absolutely. Yes. Raf, what does is, what is, uh, ethical data use look like to, to you and your team at Cadrian? What does it mean in terms of the decisions you make about what you're going to use, what you're going to bring in, what you're not going to? What, do you have, an, have a sense yet of what that looks like? From our perspective, you know, ethical data is about consents. Um, it's about opt-in and it's about a, a transparent understanding of what's happening with data and, and how we're going to use it. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of understanding in, in the broader consumer market at the moment. Um, that being said, I don't think it's all necessarily um, oppressive. Um, some, yes, but you know, I think a lot of consumers, if properly educated about the capture and the use of their data, um, would understand that that's a net value add for media businesses and it enables them for, for free content. And, and there is a balance to be struck there as far as you know, ethical capture of data and use of that data for effective advertising, which, which you know, we get to that, that beautiful triangle of, um, of everyone winning. And at the moment, that's absolutely not the case. And I think that's what the transformation is here, is moving more towards um, consumer-centric um, data capture and data use. And, and most importantly, and I think this is probably the slowest thing to happen, but the most important is, is education for consumers around um, a real clear understanding of what's happening with their data, how it's being used, what it means for them as far as the benefit to them, the value for them. And that will often mean more value being captured by the consumer than is currently the case. Um, and that will then play into how advertisers and marketers and agencies use that data and what that data looks like. It might be first party, it might be um, you know, email lists, it might be, you know, what it, it could be a variety of things, but the important thing is the understanding on the consumer's end. This is the point though, I think the, we have this debate in, in the industry about oh, consumers are not so concerned about it. And, and this is the, I, I, I see the regulators becoming the consumer proxy and this is the, this is the, the challenge the industry has. Because if you look at consumers, you could easily argue that, oh, they're not so worried about this stuff and they just go. The regulators are sitting going, well, at the, at, on the edges, the industry is, is, has done some potentially uh, troubling things or challenging things that the regulators are going, okay, time's up. You haven't been able to regulate. You haven't been able to self-regulate. You haven't kept things at bay. And so now we're, we're catching up, working out what, what you what you people are doing. We think that in the, is not in the consumer interest, so we're going to s- step in. That's essentially, I think, um, a, uh, a gap in the industry uh, industry's approach, Gay. But tell me why I'm wrong. I wouldn't say you're wrong. I think we're definitely, um, again, put the consumer at the front and centre. But the education on what they're getting in exchange. I think we've done a really poor job as an industry. Um, what they're getting as that value exchange from a media point of view, from a, you know, a lot of the data we're talking about now we're going so down the, we're changing the definition of personal information. If it's just cookie analytics tracking, what they're getting in exchange for that. It's a really hard thing to articulate, Paul. Like I don't think anyone's saying they don't want to be transparent. They don't want to be ethical. It's just how you communicate that in a way that makes sense and that a consumer goes, yep, I'm in or I'm out or this is what I'm getting. And that's the thing I don't think we've cracked yet. 
To go broader, though, um, Gay, for you, key themes that you're focusing on at the IAB and with your, with your constituents uh, from the ACCC's recommendations? So working, and we have been doing this for the last 18 months, particularly since GDPR, and the messages are all the same. So re-looking at data consent that you've already had, a lot of people have to get rid of a lot of data um, and get re-consent and be really clear about that. Um, understanding what personal information means, understanding what's going to happen on new devices. I think, you know, when we're talking about all, all this and setting up regulatory frameworks, we're going to need to keep looking at as we evolve and we want innovation, right, as businesses, as an economy, as Australia being at the forefront, how that's going to impact with voice devices, you know, whatever's coming next to keep that as flexible. Um, but for our members, making sure there's clear data, data consent, um, understanding what data they've got, clearing out what they don't need, understanding that sort of reasonable use of data, um, why they need it and getting rid of that. Um, and those tough conversations with data partners that they've got and, and how that fits into the new world. Josanne, you've got a media trust study coming up. Is there any relevance to the conversation here? What do you think that's going to show up? Um, look, I think what it'll show up is that at the moment, in terms of sort of self-governance, when we, we talk about governance as opposed to just standards, meaning has everybody applied the standards consistently, we're a little bit unsure of what we want in that space, in, the, in say, a compliance space. Um, so the audit body was traditionally kind of a compliance body. Um, there was a framework of rules and then there was a compliance layer. The industry has kind of shifted away from that within the complexity of the way the industry works. And I guess we might want to ask ourselves if we are thinking about a new ethics regime and how we, we want our business to run, what do we need now in, in governance? You know, um, are we doing enough in that space? Are we consistently all following the right rules and the right ways. Because I think there is a genuine sentiment that everybody wants to do the right thing. Nobody goes in to do the wrong thing. But you know what? Well, we I might... argue some do, but nevertheless, there's yeah, a minority. And we might all speed through school zones if we could. You know, it's that whole thing that humans are human. I mean, I think, interestingly enough, when you read the ACCC recommendations with the privacy piece, they even have the question mark of whether an independent certification um, scheme needs to be introduced. So they're already thinking, okay, we're going to change this, you know, this framework and do we need it to be checked? Do we need everybody to have certification around it? And I, th I found that really interesting um, because, you know, in other markets, advertising markets, they've moved towards some certification models around meeting best practice. We haven't here yet and, and we've had, Gay and I've had discussions about that and various, you know, we've talked about it across the industry. So I guess where I sit on this is I'm interested to see where we all end up as to how we all want to move forward. And, and improve our industry. And Raf, it's such a sexy t subject for you to talk about <laughs> governance and compliance. Um, and uh, and we, it, it, the, the difficulty is that it's really going to be increasingly important. But how do you reconcile all those, you know, fuzzy, conceptual, boring ideas about compliance and governance? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we've we've had to, to think about for the better part of two years or 18 months since we've started to see these global you know, legislative forces you know, moving things forward in this regard. So... So I think as far as when we make decisions around technology and, and building technology stacks for our for our clients and our partners, that's that's where we start to to have a different lens on that. And that looks very different today than it did two, three years ago and, and even more vastly different to what it did you know, five or six years ago or ten years when when programmatic and ad tech really started to to take shape. So um, I think it's still a really it's still a very young part of the industry and, and it's still a relatively immature part of the industry, particularly on the technology side. So um, 
I think with this type of report and this type of investigation, um, we start to see all these forces come together and start to build what that future might look like from a technology perspective, from a legislation perspective, from a compliance perspective. And that pervades all of our decision making around partners and technology. And then you know, on a more tactical level around data, around data partnerships, um, around working with our clients. So what are you, so, and I'll ask both you and Christian, what are your clients asking? What is the awareness of your clients around around this, the, the findings, the recommendations, and what conversations or questions are they asking of you? So I think generally client awareness is is pretty good at an, at an awareness level, awareness level, sorry. They know that this report exists, they've read it uh, or they've read parts of it and they understand that there is big change coming. Um, I think most of them look to us as agencies to, to help guide them into what a future state looks like for them. And again, this is not new news for them. They understand that there is a change coming as far as how they use customer data. Um, an imperative for them to capture you know, and to build first-party data and to, and to engage with their consumer in a way that um, that is ethical. And that's not to say that it's ethic that it's unethical previously, but um, you know, moving into this brave new world of customer relationships and putting the customer first. And so. Um, they are looking to us really to understand that. And from our perspective, that means adding that layer into our decisions around technology, um, to our decisions around compliance and governance in our contracts, um, and to our decisions around data, specifically you know, data partners, um, third-party data partners, compliance, consent, and the regulatory framework around that. Um, and all of those things... Oh, it's so evolving. exciting, isn't it? It's so exciting, this stuff, but uh, totally necessary. Christian, the awareness amongst your clients on the report and the implications, where are they at, do you think? Their awareness is high. The level of detail, I wouldn't say it's particularly deep would be my guess. This subject is ongoing. Uh, we update our clients. All of us are still, as we've discussed today, waiting to see what the government decides to do. Um, I'd also go back a step, right? There's a lot of negative narrative normally around holding groups. You know, there's five of us globally. We're listed um, mostly on US stock exchange. One of the benefits of global holding groups is governance, um, compliance. It's not a new conversation with any of our clients. We've been having this conversation for decades. Now, previously it was in other channels and it was around um, how we treat their money properly as an agent we're now adding data into that conversation. So it's not a new business for us or it's not a new conversation. We've got really deep capability in this area um, and I think we're well set up to do it. This is what we do every day. Data is growing in that conversation, but back to the point on um, on Cadrian, you know, the compliance that they go through, the same for us. You just add data into those existing frameworks and conversations. Clients aren't just waking up to the fact they need governance and compliance from us. They've always known it. They've always had it. And it's an ongoing conversation. We build data in. It is the benefit of a holding group. Speaking of holding holding groups, one of the recommendations is an inquiry into the agency and ad tech supply chain. I've got two agency people with me. Uh, are you fidgeting in your seat, Christian Kroon? <laughs> the ACCC call out a number of things. First of all, they say it's, it's a really complex channel. There is behaviour they don't fully understand. Do they think they've come across things that they're not comfortable with? Yes, because they've suggested they want an 18-month inquiry funded by the government. My boss, Peter Horgan, he said uh, in Ad News yesterday, we don't know the detail yet, but we will lean in. We've been very vocal about this. It raises the industry up, makes us more robust, deals with that running sore that has been transparency amongst agencies, independent ones, as well as holding groups. We need to get stuck into this issue if we're going to move forward, we think. So we intend to do that. Raf, um, the, the ACCC talks about um, uh, unacceptable or questionable levels of opaqueness in the industry. Um, what's your sense on 
what's going on? I think with with, with the five major holding groups and, and to larger advertisers, we've already been on this journey towards transparency for quite some time. And so again, that's not new news, and that's something that that you know, we're addressing constantly with our clients and with our partners. So I you know, completely agree with Christian, and I couldn't agree more that. That's, um, that we welcome the inquiry into ad tech and to, and to explore that and to lift the lid and to, as a group and as an industry, start to to build shared understanding and a shared knowledge of, of how it works and what's happening and um, and to start to build trust in that. It's As I said previously... Will it change your, will it change your practices, whatever, whatever Kadrian's done or doing as as and the industry? Will it shift what you do and how you do things? Uh, not greatly. I think there, there will be shifts to the, you know, the, the end product, but what we do remains fundamentally the same is navigate the current complexity of, of technology and data for our clients, and that complexity will be different, but you know, the, the nature of what we do remains quite the same. Um, there will be tactical changes, and, and how we do that will change, but I think... Yeah, more broadly, we welcome the opportunity to, to you know, as a as an industry, understand what all those things are, and to build a better understanding with consumers, particularly around um, how all this stuff works and what it means for them, what it means for us, um, and you know, as as an entire group and as an entire industry, build that future together. Because I think in five, ten, fifteen years, when we look back on this, it, things will look very different as far as how we engage with consumers, how we engage with marketers. Um, and I think it's up to all of us to, to build that together off the back of this report. Well, it was a magnificent tango from both of you. So well done. Um, to wrap up, Josanne, what's your, your sense of what would you like to see in the next 12 months? What do you think, sense or hope will uh, emerge? Well, look, I think thinking about data and how we use it is is imperative. And, and also, I think thinking about the ethics of our business and, and how we embed that. Because we all know that, you know, it's essential for the survival and and flourishing of of our business. We're all kind of now digging deep into that. So over the next 12 months, I hope we we actually move forward. 12 months, three months, Gay. Uh, 12 months, three months. We've got three months before um, the lobbying period is over. But what what do you uh, hope to see, you know, by the end of the year? I look forward to ACCC and different government departments, the Privacy Commissioner, working really closely with industry on that. I think they're the markets that it's worked well, where governments work closely with industry to actually understand the implications of um, anything that's put in put in place. And what we've seen so far is that they're very willing to work with industry. Raf, thoughts for the, the, the end of, by the end of the year? I think the end of the year is coming up very quickly. But um, what I'd love, what I what I'd love to see. Um, in the response from the government is is a, a clear acknowledgement and understanding of, of these issues, which which I'm encouraged by in the early stages. Clear and, and robust uh, legislation, particularly around the privacy side of things. Um, and then off the back of that, and I think this is critical, is um, really proactive engagement, not only with the marketing community, but with consumers and with, with the broader community around what this means for them, what privacy means for them, uh, the role of media in, in their lives and our lives, because we're all consumers here as well. Um, and I'm hoping that that will then start to inform what the bigger picture looks like in terms of legislation, in terms of behaviour as well. Christian Kroon, I'm not going to let you wrap up. I'm going to ask you a question to close, which is, do you think that are we going to see GDPR favouring the duopoly? Is this what could happen here? That, that is a concern among many. It's a concern. It has been articulated. I would be very surprised if the ACCC is not aware of it. It's a very good report. I, th- I think Rod Sims and his team have done an excellent job it would be very disappointing if that was the unintended outcome. And I think that's where you split the report into two things. One's consumer, which leads to data, which could favour the duopoly. And then you go back to the original <clears throat> term of reference and the scope, which was competition and market dynamics. And I think there, that you can feel that through the report, that kind of that narrative. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slightly left field for you. 
I think also, because so data is, is the biggest piece within the ACCC, but there's lots of other recommendations. A single regulatory framework is an enormous shift in this market. Um, then you've also got, there's, for me, there's a big sense that merger and acquisition activity within Australian media businesses will get a significant boost from this report. Because if you needed to prove to government you should be allowed to merge with another business, then you just need to point to their own work. So I think we'll see further M&A activity, which, and I've talked about this a lot, so I'm kind of banging the drum on it. We go from talking about a duopoly now to in two years' time, do we talk about the oligopoly of six or seven enormous media owners that are Australian and global? And what happens to the rest of our industry? Where's the body of of publishers and um, new innovation that comes through that kind of are being sucked out of the argument at the moment because they can't compete? Regulatory cost is going to be enormous. Your ability to still operate in that marketplace will be very difficult. To be fair, you're contributing it to it though, aren't you? And you like consolidation of suppliers and vendors in terms of media. So that makes more work. If you've got a diverse, fragmented uh, supplier base with media owners, and that's been the case of the holding companies, not just you and not only, maybe not even you, Christian, but that has been the interest of the holding companies and the, and the buying groups is to consolidate supply side, for efficiency at least. Uh, so yes, if you look at it, it's for us, it's what does the client work? We've got a very decentralised model. We are a holding group, but we are very decentralised. So we trade with an enormous number of media owners. But that's a problem. You look at the scale they offer, the efficiency they offer their clients. Um, we have to give the best recommendation, which for the clients is going to be around their campaign objectives and their business objectives. The health of the overall industry is somewhat kind of macro and not necessarily what the client needs you to be delivering on, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't call it out. So, yes, I put my hand up. I'm, I'm a contributing factor, and so is my business. We are aware of that, and when we talk to our clients about it, but it is a challenge that's not really being discussed very often, and I think it's coming at us. Yeah, it's a valid point, and I can't let you go. I just realised that you, of course, sit, uh, have a board that has got both sides of the uh, great divide. You've got Google and Facebook on one side, at one end of your board table, and publishers and, and ad tech vendors and so forth on the other side. Is there any any um, overlap or is it... Yeah, there's common ground. Um, wow, tell us there about that. There is. I mean, there's definitely, as Christian said, like there's a lot of recommendations in the report and some of them are specifically on competition. But on the ad tech, on the privacy side, the ability for us to innovate and run businesses in a way that's healthy and not too restricted, done in an ethical way, is absolutely common to everyone. Um, they all have strong data assets. They all have direct relationship with consumers in different ways. So there is a lot of common ground there. That's it for this week. This is an ongoing series and I think we'll have some uh, advertisers and marketers in to talk about their experience in coming weeks. Uh, we will see you next week. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode.